Is it too late to poop? You can do that. No, I, I'm good. I'll hold it in. You sure? Yeah. No, I don't actually have to poop. I just thought that'd be a funny thing to start with. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of quality conversation we can expect for the next hour. <laughs> Boys and girls, this show, as all, all the other shows are, are brought to us by our good friends at the Original Music School of Morristown, shaping young minds for over 15 years now. Fantastic teachers, great killer staff. So go to OriginalMusicSchool.com or call 973-998-8977. And Dylan's going to be the guy answering the phone. Isn't that right, Paul? That's... <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dylan. That is true. That is certainly true. So I guess we'll start the show. What do you say, Con? Sounds good to me. Welcome to another edition of You Good. The podcast for musicians, by musicians. Some of the musicians might be by. We're not really going to get that in depth. It's not really any of my business. But our guest tonight, Connor Larkin, one of the uh, one of the owners, operators, uh, teachers, mind shapers of the original music school. A very old dear friend of mine, and and in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, one of the greatest bass players walking the earth. Today, thank you, Nick. You're very welcome. Glad you made it to the show, dude. Thanks for thanks for coming out. We really oh, of course, yeah. Really appreciate you, you know, sticking around and doing this interview. I mean, I was just staring at the wall over there. That's all I was doing. Yeah. So, that's all I was gonna do. Yeah. Well, it's a nice wall. It it's is a really nice wall. Thank you. Nice wall. Is that plaster? I think so. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. <sighs> How you doing, Dylan? I'm good. You good? How was your rehearsal? <clears throat> it went really, really well. Good. It did. Good. I have a lot of fun playing with those guys. Gates to the morning. Word up. That's what we're talking about right now, people. Gates to the morning. Yeah. So we have we have we have then the blame for you being late tonight. <laughs> I was I was two minutes late. You said you'd be here by like eight. I said eight thirty. You said eight. Oh, well, whatever. I'm not. Whatever. We're not going to argue. <laughs> Life's too short. To there's argue. there's no reason to argue with Paul right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's that's Connor's pet name for for whenever Dylan uh, does does a boo boo. Yeah, we're an old married couple at Dylan, this point. Dylan so. becomes Paul. I like <laughs> so that. True. I like that. Because one of the meanest things you can do to someone you, you love is call them by the wrong name. <laughs> well, I mean, he's well. Right. Their 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 actual name. Yeah, Paul's my first name. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I was. It's right because you're 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 P. You're yeah. You're Paul Dillon. Yep. Never been called that a day in my life. <laughs> Good. Since the day I was born. You know, if, if you were like on the folk, like on the folk punk scene, that would totally be your name, though. Paul mm-hmm. Dillon. Paul yeah, Dillon. Yeah, and you yeah. just write a whole bunch of songs about how, how much you hate cops, and and your and your and your girlfriend dumped you, and all that. <laughs> we're not here to talk about you, Paul. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't know why we're talking about. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm here. I, seriously, <laughs> we could have done this without you. <laughs> Thanks. But no, in the hot seat today is Connor Larkin, and I've known Connor. It's funny, I've known you, um, like probably longer than any of like the friends that I still talk to, like on a regular basis. We've been friends since I was 21, 22. You, you've known me the entire time I've played bass, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You were fourteen. I was 14 when I started, but I think it was like 15 when I first met you. Was it? Well, how, how much older are you than James? Because are you one year older or two one years? One year. You're one? Because yeah. no, I, think, I think you were 14 just about to turn 15. Maybe. Because 
when 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 we were when you were, when I was when I was still old, and you were just a kid. Yeah. Um, you started coming over to my house with with a, with a mutual friend of ours, James Hatem. Yep, who's a great, fantastic singer songwriter. Oh, absolutely, James is awesome. And uh, and you came. You remember like you sitting in my basement, and yeah, that Yamaha acoustic bass. Yeah, and yeah, the black one. Yeah, I love that bass. That was a great bass, but it pissed me off because <laughs> you were so good so at such a young age, and you had just started playing. Yeah, and it was just inherent in your body, like you were just you you were built to play the bass. It made sense. It did, and I I know the story, but I I, want, I would love it if you would tell the story of how how that happened, how you how oh. you became a bass player, because it has to, it has a lot it has to do with James and, and with Ed with James's uh, oh, father. Yeah. Well, so I grew up before cell phones were a thing, and when like you're only friends like people in the neighborhood, mm. like when that was still a thing. And, uh, yeah, like the only two people that actually wanted to hang out with me, one of them owned a drum kit and one of them owned a guitar and I had a guitar and we were losers and we wanted to be cool. So we started a band and I didn't, I didn't really practice guitar. I probably start. I got a guitar when I was like 13 or something and I never practiced. I didn't really, I wasn't super into it, but, um, I, I got off on the idea that like it was something my dad gave up on. So I was like, I'll get good at it. I'll show him. And then I just never put the time in and I sucked at it. But uh, yeah, I was like, okay, we're going to we're gonna be in a band. And it was funny because I would play with my thumb. Excuse me. I would play with my thumb and I'd play single notes because chords were too hard. <laughs> I couldn't switch. <laughs> I couldn't switch fast enough. But James actually practiced so he could do that. And I remember we were making a bunch of racket down in the basement. And James, this guy we're talking about, his dad, Ed, was this fantastic drummer yeah he played he, like all he, around new jersey he, he played with my father right exactly yeah day. johnny were, my my dad johnny and, and ed were in bands together and hung out like all all the time yeah they're like best like, friends right I, they they were they were as close as they could possibly be yeah. you know and and still middle-aged because you know the older we get it's harder to keep friendships but eddie and john were, were always in contact and always hung out and like i i was there when james was born yeah, and I remember like when I was a little kid going over to the house, not wanting to be there because it's a house with babies in it. What do I care? <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like I was there when James was born. Eddie was a was pivotal in my life. But anyway, so 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 Eddie comes downstairs. He comes downstairs. He probably didn't have his shirt on because he never did. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's like, "Where's the fucking bass player?" He definitely said it that way too. And we're like, what's a bass? Like, I didn't even know what the fuck it was. You know, like 13 years old trying to play in a band. I don't even know what the hell a bass guitar is. And uh, he comes up to me <laughs> and he's like, he's like, all right, who's better? You or my kid? I'm like, oh, James is way better. Like, he actually practices. And he's like, well, you're going to be the bass player. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was taking guitar lessons at Richie's Music Center. Ted, Ted Smith, great guy. And um, I was like, hey, Ted, uh, James's dad said I'm supposed to play bass in the band. So can you teach me bass? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I picked one off the wall. I, the, I picked the coolest one, co coolest looking one, I should say. And he let me go in one of the other practice rooms, and I plugged it in, and I just played the low E string. And it was like, boom. But it was like, Boom! It's like super low, and I was like, "Oh!" I just felt like resonating through my body, and I was like, "This is so fucking cool!" And then, yeah, the rest of that. And I remember, like, the week later, I went over to my cousin Timmy's house, who showed me like pretty much all the music I listened to for like four years. And uh, yeah, we watched this like live at Slane Castle over there at Chili Peppers. I saw Flea play, and I was like, "Oh yeah, 
this is fucking awesome. I got to play this instrument. And then the, you know, the rest is just me just sitting in a room, just practicing, <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. I love that story. Cause like, I, I can picture it. I can picture Ed coming downstairs. No shirt. No shirt. Just <laughs> bobblehead. He, he always, he always just kind of shook his head like, Hey, everywhere he went. And, uh, Oh man, what a guy! He was—he was—I ah, miss that guy. He was such a great dude. He was such a great dude. And then, and you and James would come over to my house mm-hmm. after I had passed away. Uh, I kind of—I t- kind of took it upon myself to to be kind of more in, in in James's life because yeah. you know after you know you lose your father, it's like, I can't even imagine what that felt like. Um, but uh, you 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 came you were part of the package. Well, yeah, me and would, James I were inseparable. To, I would go and pick pick him up, and he'd be like, I, you know, I'd call his house, talk to Pat, and then talk to James. Be like, oh, I'm going to pick up James, and you know, we're going to go jam for a bit. And she loved that idea. And and then J- James would call me back and be like, hey, Is it cool if my my friend Connor comes along? And the first time I was like, Wait, how many children am I going to have in my house right now? And like, <laughs> and I'm twenty. Like, at this point, I'm 21, 22. Yeah. Like, I this is just weird. Now I'm just like hanging out with children. <laughs> But then the first time he came over to the house, we're in the basement. I'm just my first thought was, "Fuck this kid, <laughs> fuck this kid." Because I start because I, I had started playing bass when I was about 13, 14 years old, and I, I'm I'm no slouch. But you were you had in the in the in the few months before I had met you when you just started playing, you were already light years ahead of me, and I'd been playing the bass for about nine years at that point. <laughs> yeah. you were just you were light years ahead of me. <laughs> Thinking outside the box, just putting these great, you know, just putting these great things together, and you know, and you were really into dream theater. Yeah, <laughs> I was really into I was really into metal at a young age, mm-hmm. and like the Chiller was kind of the first like not heavy band that I was like, I was just so enamored by Flea's bass playing, you know, and it was like because it was so melodic and creative. Oh yeah, and like yeah, like it was like most of the times I wasn't even listening to what the singer was singing i was just kind of listening to the bass lines and like how like it locked in with the drums and like how it like locked in with the guitar parts like all that all that like just perfect like just yeah. mashup of things it was well, so it, cool to me bass is great because it is like one of the it's something my father had said to me when i was you know figuring out music was the bass the bass player is the bridge between the rhythm and the melody Yeah, i always tell people that it's so true yeah it's so true and i think i think i think i had said it to you too at least a couple times but it, yeah it really is true and 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 people people kind of dismiss the bass as being like, oh, that's the guy that couldn't play guitar. Dude, people don't even know like, what it is. Like you're a, like you're a, <laughs> like you're a dentist who flunked out of med school. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, could have been a surgeon, but nah, fuck it. <laughs> could never hold a scalpel right, so I guess I'm just gonna grab the pliers. Yeah, it's I'm, not, I'm I'm a teeth guy. Yeah, now. <laughs> it's, it's not the case because because bass is so crucial and so important. It kind of gets slighted, but. You know, you, like the songs would just—it wouldn't be a—it wouldn't be a song without a bass line. It's just I like, agree with you, you know. There's and there's so few instances when when you hear a song that without a bass that actually like hits you, and it's usually because it is an acoustic solo song. Well, it's funny you say that because <laughs> I remember when me and Dylan—well, me and Dylan known each other forever—but when we first started, like, kind of like really hanging out in high school, that was like something that like we both agreed on. And we were like, oh, I got to start hanging out with this kid. Because we used to say, like, the bass is, like, kind of this, like, hidden little thing that, like, after, like, the 10th time you've listened to the song, you start actually noticing it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, the song is, like, 10 times cooler now. It's almost like I found this thing. Right. And this song I already loved. And now I just love it even more. It's kind of like this little hidden gem that you have to, like, kind of find and, yeah. sus, you know, suss like, out. When I was, when I, when I, when I first started playing bass, it was just going into the basement and grabbing, grabbing records 
throwing it on and playing along. And I would play along with like Zeppelin one, two, and three. Yeah. And early Black Sabbath, and just tur- like turn the you know tur- turn the faders, you know the treble all the way down and the bass all the way up. Yeah. Just to listen to it and let it permeate me. And then I would turn everything back up to you know put the put the put the treble back up to twelve o'clock and and play along. Yeah. I'm like, wow, it really is like this linchpin. Well, it's funny. I actually do the, do the exact opposite because when laptops first started becoming like a thing that mm-hmm. like, people had, the bass was terrible. Oh yeah. So I I used to like just kind of like make up parts to songs I knew because I had no idea what the bass was doing unless I had like head like nice headphones on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I got like pretty decent at coming up with my own parts because I just had to sit there and make something that sounded good, you know, because there was no bass line there. I couldn't hear it, so I just had to well, make up my own. And even still like um because, like, did you do? Did you have Napster or LimeWire on any of your computers? Oh, did, did, I like, stole a lot did, did of you, music. But, like, you know, did you give your computer aids at any point with those with those downloading services? Yeah, because I had I had PCs for a while. Right. And, uh, but yeah. the, the problem they with, didn't make it too far. Well the, the, <laughs> well, the problem with you know with MP3s is everything gets so compressed. Right. That you lose so much of the song. Yeah, the fidelity is really yeah, bad. And you lose and like like first victim, the first thing on the chopping block is the bass. Mm-hmm. It gets just it gets just lost in that in that compression. So I, I could never I hated I, I I think I killed at least two computers with illegal downloads. Um, oh no! Don't be shy. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's sound. always like rustling around. I love that sound of the podcast. That, you know, that is the baseline of our podcast. Yeah, true story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, man. I love that. And and this is the melody. You're such a good listener, Dylan. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, you know, like I I couldn't like I would download these songs and I would listen to them, you know, and it sounded like garbage, and then I would take the time and go through my dad's record collection and just find the actual album, throw it on, yeah. and listen to it on a hi-fi set, and it sounds a thousand times oh, so better. Oh, much better, yeah, Because you, you hear every little nuance, totally. and you hear, you hear the bass. You fucking, it, it, and it rolls through you. Um, so you played you, So you played all through high school. Did you do band, like jazz band or anything like no, that No, I didn't do any of that stuff. No, no extra, no, like, no, 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 like no, 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 because, like, you know, I, I didn't, uh, you know, my dad, Great hockey player, yeah. Really great work ethic. Tried to get me to do sports. Terrible. Um, hated it. Was bad at it. I found art kind of, and I never really would consider myself a visual artist, but I did try for years and years to get good at it. And I've made some pretty decent pieces, but like even then, I always felt frustrated because I couldn't get it out. And with a bass, it was like I don't know. It was like it was like oh, you can do this with sound. And it was weird because it's like a lot of times, you know, a lot of times people talk about like hearing what they play. I'm still like getting over seeing everything I play first. Right. I'm actually very shape oriented. And I think over the years I've gotten a pretty good ear and I can for the most part hear what's coming out. But a lot of times I kind of see things first, like visualizing patterns and stuff like that. It's kind of a hard thing to describe, but that's kind of like how my brain works when I play music. I see a lot of things. So when I started playing bass, it was just like, it was such a relief that like I was actually like, something made sense because you know like 14 is like you're in high school you're like going to be an adult soon you got to get good Sorry. at something well yeah they tell you that though <laughs> it's right. not fucking true but they tell nah, you that it's and really you're not and you're like a wide-eyed 14 year old kid you're like i wasn't really like a smart ass i wasn't a wise guy i kind of like 
took what people said and like got paranoid instead of trying to fix it. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> be sitting at home just like, like, I gotta do something. But like nothing makes any sense. What are taxes? You know? Like what the fuck is this shit, you know? I had no clue, man. So when I got a base, I was like, oh, okay, like something in this world makes sense. But you were talking about um, like doing extracurricular stuff. Yeah. And no, it was like, I was so like into just playing it and playing what I wanted to do. Because again, this was like, I had the creative flow and I finally had this thing like jazz band and stuff like that. That just seemed super lame. I never listened to jazz. I had no connection to it. There were definitely classical pieces I liked, but like I wasn't going to sit there and learn them. Like I wanted to, like, I don't know. Like it, for me, like I picked up a bass and I was an artist, I wasn't a musician. And it took years for me to start looking at myself as a musician. Like I was always like, I was always trying to be an artist with the thing, hence getting a loop pedal like a year into playing bass and like making arrangements on it. Right. Nobody does that. You know what I mean? But like, I was like, this is going to be my thing. Like I'm going to make art with this stuff. So like, yeah, the idea of like jazz band or something like that was just like terrible. But then it was funny because then I went to school for jazz in college. Right. So you <laughs> went, funny, I think you went comes, to, comes you, back went, around. And you went to CCM first, right? Yeah. But you know, we're skipping a lot of steps because the truth is, is I got most of my footing just playing with you know guys like you and really just everybody because it was like what was cool about playing with James in the beginning was we were just making our own stuff with no idea like you know we were listening to a lot of classic rock and like that was kind of like a good footing right you know, I was listening to a lot of metal so it's building chops building ears you know coming up with ideas arranging things but then when I started playing with you and Mike it was like oh like these guys have some experience and they're kind of showing me the ropes and that was awesome but then like you know I started playing with like guys like Dylan. You know, uh, you know, he, who was into modern stuff, like stuff I never heard before. It's like, wow, this is super cool. This is nothing like anything I listened to. And I started hanging out with like the metal kids, playing metal. So it was just like all of this music just coming at me, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I had to play it with everybody. I mean, by the time I was at CCM, I'd already played in like over a dozen bands, you know. And it was all I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. But yeah, CCM was they don't really have like a jazz program. They had like jazz ensemble. Mm -hmm. By the time I was getting out thinking about getting out of ccm i was like well you know i've done everything except for jazz so i might as well try this out how hard could that be <laughs> then i get into new paltz i go with a friend of mine chris rosick who's a great songwriter and guitar player um we went there together with our friend dan and uh yeah i started taking i started t studying jazz and i was like this is so fucking hard and like it just was so foreign to me because like like yeah i listened to like a little bit of wayne shorter like a little bit of miles davis you know, I liked a lot of that, like, kind of smooth jazz stuff, though, which is not, like, teachers there hate that stuff. They're like, that's not fucking jazz, dude. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you listening to this well, shit there's, for? there's a few different schools, like, there's there's different styles of jazz, and some people think, oh, that's jazz. That, that other stuff's not jazz, well, you know, like, but, you know, to me, the, the, the best jazz is that Mingus, the Miles... Well, those were guys I got into later on. Like, Charles Mingus was like, whoa. Yeah, but like... You know, I didn't understand to, it. Well, it, I still don't understand it. I just, <laughs> know, I just know it's amazing. And I know... I, 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 like it, That's the kind of like jazz that always kind of like blew through me. You know, and like, like you know, I felt it. You could feel that that movement. That, oh. That, you know, cause, and it was so... It was so loosely arranged. And, you yeah, know. I mean, some of it's definitely like... The thing that's... All right, so here's, so here's the thing that I love about jazz and this is the thing i like to explain to people about it where it's like because people will say like i don't like jazz and i go well i don't like pop music 
but like, you know, like that one in sync t- tune has actually got a pretty like killer arrangement. Right. And I think it's like for me, what I learned studying jazz was like, yeah, like I don't play jazz anymore. I can teach improv because I spent a lot of years like working on it. But like sometimes I'm just kind of like hanging out at home and I really want to listen to Chet you know, Chet Baker's version of Almost Blue. And sometimes I want to put on, like, There Will Never Be Another You because that's just, like, a really nice song. And I think people kind of, like, you, like take these blanket terms like jazz and go, like, it sucks. And it's like, well, I mean, like, there's a song in every style of music. I say it only country, but, like, Johnny Cash is awesome. Right. Well, you know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing where it's like, I think it's like, you, f- you find stuff. And, like, that was kind of the coolest part. And that was stuff my teachers would always say. Because I would just, like, look at... I was so unschooled. Because, like, I told you, like, even in CCM, like, I never really read. I studied music in high school, which was cool. I took theory classes in junior and, um, junior and senior year. But that was more, like, conceptual stuff. Like, hey, like, learn how to play a major scale on your instrument. And, like, figure out how chords and arpeggios work. So I had a very good understanding of like you the, the basic blocks. knowledge absolutely blocks. but like reading has to this day i'm still not really much of a reader i mean i can read sight reading not a thing at all i cannot sight read to save my ass but like yeah i don't know it was just like it was very mechanical to me in the beginning like learn the learn play the chords you know play all the arpeggios you know learn the melody do all this stuff and i used to sit there and just like struggle and my teacher's like well did you listen to it and i was like no He's like, listen to the song. Like, listen to the song. And like the songs I did that with are like, you know, I don't play jazz anymore. But sometimes, like, I'll be practicing at home, and like, I'll be like, I kind of want to play Blue Bossa right now. Just like, you know, start thumping through the changes, you know, on my own. And it's really fun, you know, because it's just a nice song with a beautiful melody and cool chord changes, and it's just really fun to kind of get your brain to that space of like, all right, like work it out a little bit, like like make make something now and make it musical. It's really, it's, it's awesome. I love it a lot. One of the things for like, to me, jazz, cause it, you know, what you had said before, how you don't, you know, you don't really listen to what the singers are saying. Yeah. You know, you focus, like we were talking about this before we started recording, like, you know, you don't, you know, you know, you don't really listen to lyrics and I get that cause you're, you know, you're bass driven. Right. As a, like, I'm a singer songwriter. So I do listen to the story. I do listen to the lyrics. You well, when you do, too, like, that's the other thing, too, is it's like when you actually do listen to the lyrics, you go, like, it's another little secret gem. And that's right. kind of the thing that's really fun about listening to a song more than once is you kind of, like, you, you use your ears differently every time you listen to something oh, you've yeah. heard before. And you start picking up but on like, things you never with, noticed. With, with jazz, like, instrumental pieces, mm-hmm. jazz instrumental pieces, they have a title with no words. Right. And But they tell a story. Oh, absolutely. And you feel... That movement mm-hmm. through the story. There's peaks and there's valleys, and yes. and there's there's rocky roads and there's there's smooth calm waves, you know. And it all it all comes together in this beautiful incor- incorporation. And so you know, oh that's, totally. That's what I look for, and in a, in a song, it's got yeah. it's got to tell a story. And then your with your instrumental stuff that you've been doing lately, and you've got a, you've got an EP coming out. Yeah. Um, and I've I've been fortunate enough because you've you've been playing some of that stuff at, at some of the open well mics. I'm fortunate that you let me do that because I say bass loops to people and they're like oh yeah yeah great and then I don't hear from I them. I can't say no to you <laughs> I can't say no to you Can no me? but it's crazy like I've 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 like people will be like hey do like, you have a band you're playing in right now I'm like yeah well they can't do it but like I can bring my loop pedal over and do some stuff and they you, you don't hear, yeah I don't hear back from them <laughs> and it's like dude it's like not it's not terrible I don't want to sound like great. egotistical but like I like it it's good music I, I think it's really cool and it's and when you come in like you know you're usually at the 
the exchange on Mondays and you'll come in with your loop pedal and you'll play some of your stuff and I can't help but sit and listen because it's just because you're taking well, thank you, you're, man. you're taking us on a on a journey. You're you're telling a story without without opening your mouth. Well, I appreciate that, and like that's another thing too. Like um, that was the thing that really turned me on about jazz in the first place because mm-hmm. like a lot of my favorite music is instrumental music. You know, like one of like one of like my favorite bands to this day is this band Ghost and Vodka, and like I had this friend Rob who showed me like ninety percent of the music I listened to. And it's just like awesome. It's like just really intricate, like but still incredibly m- melodic and driving rock music. And it's Ghost, Ghost. Ghosts and Vodka. They released a, they released one record that's in two thousand one, and then re released it in two thousand three under a different name. That's and that's old. the only thing they ever did. It's the only thing they ever did. And like it drives me fucking nuts because it's like that record. It was such an important thing in my life. And like nobody knows what the hell it is, and it's like so cool. It's the same thing with that band Apollo Sunshine, mm-hmm. dude. This band Apollo Sunshine, like, oh my god. So this kid that used to play drums with us, this guy Dustin, his dad Derek, used to manage bands like uh, like Kasabian comes to mind. The all these like kind of like Brit pop bands that like mm-hmm. some of them got famous, some of them didn't. And like he just was like, yeah, I don't know. Someone gave me this fucking record. I'm not gonna listen to it. Like he literally just like throws it on the bed. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I look at the art, the album art, and it's like this really cool thing because it's like one of those. Um, it's not a jewel case. It's like one of those ones that like kind of unfolds into like three different flaps. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like, know the word for it, but like, it's all this one cohesive piece of artwork, and it's cool because it's like this ongoing photo on one side and the other. But then somebody did like artwork over the photo, and it's like all these like flowers and like weird things just kind of, and like it's this amazing like cover. I'm like. What does this music sound like? And I put it in my CD player, and I was just like, and it's like this crazy, like it's almost the best way I can describe Apollo Sunshine. This record, Katana. You guys need to listen to it. It's like Queen, but like bluesier, and like you, they use a lot of keyboards and synth, which mm. sounds like what? That's not a thing. They make it a thing, and it's absolutely incredible. So, like, that kind of stuff, like, just was, like, I don't know, like, arrangements. Like, I love songwriting, but, like, I, you know, I've never, for, it took me a long time to really sit down and listen to, like, somebody telling a story, like you're saying. I was always enamored with, like, how, like, the bass line interacted with the guitar part and how it locked in perfectly with the drums. I was, like, I've, to this day, still, like, an arrangement of a song is, like, the thing that always like I'm I'm like just trying to hear everything get pieced together like I'm always listening to how things blend so when I started doing looping the thing that's great about looping is you can layer things mm. and you get a sense really quickly as you listen to yourself play back like wow my timing sucks um, those two parts <laughs> sound terrible together like that sounds awful so you erase the higher one and then you kind of sit there in trial and error and you find another part and you're like ooh like that sits really nicely. And you just start kind of piecing together this thing. So when I could, you know, I, I had an appreciation for it because I was trying to do it. And when I heard these bands doing it, like just these layers and how they all like just sync up, just blew my friggin' mind. So when I heard like jazz for the first time and I just heard this like this beautiful music and it was just no words, but like you could close your eyes and like you could just like, you're, it's like in the, you're in the middle of New York City and it's raining and some suspicious guy with a trench coat's walking by and you kind of follow him and you're wondering where he goes. He goes down in some alley and it get you know, you just you just go into these crazy places, yeah. you know? And no one said anything. I just I, I find that fascinating. It's like know? um Freeway Jam by Jeff Beck. Mm-hmm. I you could be you could be sitting completely stationary and listen to that song, close your eyes and just see white lines of the highway 
going, oh, absolutely. going underneath. Well, it. I mean, shit, his version of Cosby Planet is Lovers. Oh, That was yeah. the first time I ever heard Towel play bass. It oh, was just like, yeah. Oh, man, she's amazing. Have, such you, a have, monster. have you heard her new album? Yeah. It's really good. That song, Killing Me? Yeah. I love that song. Oh, man, she's and really she, something. Like, I, I had such I, a crush I on her. her. I relate to her because like she's like me. She's very schooled in, a, in the jazz idiom. And I just think it's really brave for somebody that comes from that place to go like, okay, like people might expect this from me, but I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do my own thing. It's kind of like, I don't know if you know who Thundercat is. Yes. But Thundercat's in the same kind of boat where it's like, you know, bass players admire him for his chops, but really you listen to him and like he's got his, his this whole other thing going on that nobody else is doing. And it's really inspiring because he's not trying to be a bass player's bass player. He's trying to be an artist coming back yeah. to what I was saying about, I mean, I like, I've, played and met a lot of great bass players and like uh you know I, I don't agree with like all their philosophies a lot of times because again for me it comes back to like the creative aspect like there's no real rules to this stuff there's like an etiquette i suppose but there's, to me like there's guidelines oh yeah that's there's that's definitely the rules. word yeah absolutely but for me like when i'm doing and like you know if i'm playing bass in a band you know if it's like a sit-in gig yeah you you tell me what to do i got you I've 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 played in enough bands that I know what the protocol is for whatever genre or particular person I'm working with. But when I'm making my music, like I don't want to be the guy that like loops some chords and like rip a solo for like a half hour. I want to like have a bass line. I want to do like a percussive thing. I want to have like a guitar part. I want to have a melody and mm. some layers. I want I want there to be I want it to be a song. I don't want it to be just some bass jerk off session. Cuz I don't cuz it's like <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being real with you, because if I'm being real with you, like I, like I, bass made the, makes the most sense to me to this day. You know, I play guitar, I sing, I play piano, I play drums, and like you know, I know my way around them. But bass is the instrument that I pick up, and I'm the most efficient at. Let's say so. That's the one that I choose to make this art work it's with. Like, it's it's the anchor. Exactly. It's also great because it has those low notes, and oh man, I love those low notes. Hot <laughs> cheeks. <laughs> it's got those butt cheeks. That's what I always say when I listen to a mix. It's like, ah, oh, it's, it's good, but it's, it's got no butt cheeks. Yeah, that bass needs some butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> this song's still a Protestant girl from Ohio. There's no butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> we need some Southern Baptists in this song. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> how, how old were you uh, when you had your first like paid gig? Oh man, it's funny because I I was listening to the George Orlando thing and like I totally like relate to that. I was like, dude, I couldn't even tell you. I remember the first gig I ever played it was Blue Soul, me James and Rich. We yep. played at the church that he went to on Green Pond Road. I forget the name of it. But, like it was great. I think it was, it's like, called the Church on Green Pond Road. <laughs> Is that what it's called? <laughs> I remember that. That was awesome. A lot, we we actually like brought a lot of people. People liked it. We didn't suck. I know a lot of people have that story of like they the first gig they ever played like they blew it. I actually was very fortunate for like a few years because I like had a string of good gigs. So when the first bad one happened, it was like, oh, this is what this well, you, feels like. But you would also, you know, you didn't just jump right in with that first gig. You were playing. That's true. We we didn't. Yeah, it's not like we got instruments together and yeah. ran up. I don't know if people do that, but like that's not what a we lot did. Of, no, a lot of kids do, yeah. and that's why that first band gig can be a train wreck because. You know, well, you know, I've been playing guitar for a while now. It's been like six months. I think we're ready. Yeah, no, we were very much And, then, yeah, and they have no it. idea what they're walking into. They have no idea how to conduct themselves. They have no idea what it's going to feel like to have a crowd looking back yeah. at them. 
Because, like, in the garage or in the basement, and it's just you and three friends just dicking around, and that sounds great. You know, it's it's Joe's garage. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We're great in Joe's garage. But, like, <laughs> you know, and then you, when you actually get out in front of people, yeah. if you're not, if you're not c- like, comfortable and confident in what you're going to do, you c- you know, it's 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 deer in the headlights. Do you know, <laughs> you know, you're you, going to freeze. You're going to shit your pants, and and you have one. You, you can just like one, there's like one thing you can do after you shit your pants on stage, and it's dive in the ocean. Just, <laughs> it's the quickest way to get clean. Just dive in. <laughs> there's this guy. I don't know. I don't know if you know who Will Lee is, but he's this like fantastic uh, session bassist. And oh yeah, Willie Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was watching an interview with him, and he says the greatest. Like the last thing he says is, he's like, oh no no, I always show up well prepared to a gig and the guy interviews like oh yeah that's crazy like, yeah well you know it's not really i just like talking shit <laughs> like i i'm prepared like i i never was that guy that wings it i i admire people who can go up there and just throw it together i am very methodical about everything i do and i i want to be prepared so if i do feel like changing something up i have some a leg to stand on right you know what i mean i always like having a really good outline of what i want to do before i start just fucking around yeah I've, I've i've seen some guys come to jams and they'll i'll, I'll you know i'll look at the name I'm like oh, hi gary making up a name gary what you know what are you gonna do tonight what are you gonna play tonight? you got original stuff oh yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do some improv okay <laughs> go for it some people can totally do it some people you know? can absolutely gary can't <laughs> <laughs> you know and then it's just watching gary fuck with a minor for two minutes, <laughs> yeah, and like that's the nightmare that I that I don't want to yeah, live. Yeah, and like you know, like it, the, even the, like even like improv actors and and guys that you know will freestyle rap, they you know they might not know exactly what they're going to do that night, mm-hmm. but you know they did their homework. Well, okay, I'm glad you brought up that point because the best advice I ever got when I was in school for jazz was I was very flustered because we were playing at a we were playing a tune I didn't really practice enough. Because I was at that point, I'm making excuses for myself. I was playing a lot of gigs. We were playing a lot of bars where I had to. We had to have three hours of material. This is the first time this ever happened to me. So I was practicing, making my music and practicing the stuff I was getting paid for. So you know, if I didn't learn that tune I was supposed to learn that week, it's kind of like eh. But the point is, is I got to sit there in front of the guy for an hour and just look like a dickhead. So that always sucked. It was my fault though. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there one day and he's like, "You." just what is going on with you right now and i'm like i it's like it's so hard to just make something up out of the blue and he goes okay do this go home and find like five ways around each chord and then do one pass the same way and practice that one pass a bunch of times don't improvise it just do that one part then do the second one all the way through He's like, if you do that, if you sit down and do this with this tune for two hours, eventually your hands and your ears are going to start mixing them up. He said the improvising is not in the initial idea. It's the connection of ideas, mm. which is exactly what you're kind of getting yeah. at. Freestyle rappers, they, they have some lines tucked it's, away in their pocket it's that like, they know they're going to pull out. They, they, you know? they, might know they might not know, you know, going in that they're going to pull those out but they have those like it's second notes. nature like, because they have, they've like, done it so much like, like you know like like tabs like tabs on the side of a notebook they know they can go to right absolutely and and build off of that 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to have those building blocks not put together, but at least on the job site before yeah, you start building the building. have them over there in the corner and yeah. take them when you need them. Take them when you need them. Take exactly. them when you need them. And, and, and same thing goes with improv actors. Yeah. Um, you know. I mean, why do you think they make them give them ideas? You, well, yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that they do in improv. But, you know, there'll be other other settings where it's just, you know, they'll do like the yes end and yes end. And like, you know, it's two guys going back and forth and yes end. Right. But like, it's like they, they've, they've practiced this. They've gone over this. They, they've, they've, you know, they've tattooed it to the inside of their skulls so that they know their brains know where, where they can go, not where they're going to go. Right. They, you, you have to have those options kind of laid Absolutely. out before you walk into the room. And the best part, too, is when you, when you really – it's all permutations at the end of the day, meaning how many ways can you possibly arrange one, two, three, and four? It seems endless, but there's a finite amount. When you go through all of those permutations, eventually what happens is – if you've worked them all out, you start looking away from your instrument and you start listening and you're actually improvising hmm. because you've worked that stuff out. It's so second nature to you that now, after just thinking about it for so long, you are completely like free of all of that worry and stuff like that. And it's a great, oh, it's such a good feeling when you get to that point. Oh, yeah. I only really have that with like maybe like, 20 or so tunes <laughs> but uh I, it's, it's a great feeling to have you know it's, it's very empowering when you realize all i need to do is just really get comfortable with a song i think that was i never felt more discouraged as a musician than coming out of school like out of college mm-hmm. and I, I got this bachelor's degree in jazz performance and i never felt like a worse bass player because <laughs> i just got pummeled with all this information and i didn't take it at a, a good pace for myself because I was, I was giving myself excuses. I was, I was playing a lot of gigs. I was writing my own music. I was in like four bands doing a bunch of stuff. And I was trying to study this stuff. And I remember just sitting there being like, oh my God, we're all the same. I'm just another one of these fucking people. I, I, I suck at everything. And uh, just feeling like another, like another chunk of meat for the grinder. Yeah. Yeah. But it was because like I didn't really set any precedent for like how to pace myself with all this information. I was, and I was so used to that too. Remember like when I was in high school, like it was just, it was all great. Just give me more, give me more, give me more. But I finally hit a plateau where it was like I still had that mentality and it was the worst thing for me. And I remember, um, you know, just watching a lot of great teachers on YouTube and stuff like that. Just like realizing like, you know, all of, all of these great ones. There's this guy, real bass lessons, Scott's bass lessons, Joe Hubbard's bass lessons. Like all these guys, they all say the same thing. Like practice is the repetition of an initial idea. And they always, there's always a video they have where they're like, look, if this is like the 12th video you watch tonight, stop. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, you can't play any of the shit you just watched. Watch the video, sit there for hours, and learn it right. to a point where you don't have to think about it anymore. And I sat there and I was like, I could, you know what? I need to just take my time. I need to stop putting this pressure on myself that I need to do all of these things when it's really just me making this shit up. No one's sitting there telling me, you got to do this and you got to do that. Do it when you do it. Take your time and do it when you get it done. You know, do it until you get it done. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, exactly. That's a good way of saying it. Mm. There is way too much stuff to learn. So you need to, you and, need, to, and, you need and, to take it at a good pace. And we're learning every, every time you, you, you work, every time you go out to play, you know, with whatever band you're with, it's always going to be different. Oh, totally. And you're yeah. going to learn something every time, you know. I mean, it, it, it pisses off it pisses off the guys in my band sometimes because I don't think I've actually written down a set list 
for for the band in probably the past like two and a half years. Well, you guys get used to the ebb and flow, and you kind of start to read well, each other. Oh, like there's there's the ebb and flow to it, but like no no t- like you know that being said, no two shows are ever the same. Mm-hmm. We might play the same song like night to night. But it's not going to happen in the same order, right? And well, we do the same. I mean, we do the same sound differently. And like, there'll be some songs we'll play on the first night. You know, like like those those great nights when we have like a Friday Saturday bang bang like two gigs in a row. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the Friday night gig, we'll 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 start out a little more chill. Maybe I don't know. It depends on the room. You you you. We feel the room out and decide what what where we're going to take them. If it's a room, it's a if it's a room full of people having dinner, we'll start out nice and quiet. Yes, absolutely. But if everyone's already hammered by the time we got there, oh, you go hard. We're just oh, Aerosmith, yeah. boom, right out absolutely. the gate. We're, rip, we're ripping, we're ripping your panties off right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're not, and we're not letting go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, so um, so you went to you went up to New Paul's. That was where you finished your college education. Yes, that was the uh, last time I was ever I ever had to take a test. <laughs> now you give the test. Yeah, I give the tests now. <laughs> what year did you graduate at New Paul's? Oh my God, I don't know, 2014 ish, ish, maybe 12, 2012. No, 2012. 1985 was. I think that's it. Yeah. No, I think it was 2012. Okay. I don't know. You know, we're talking about like taking things at a pace, but it's funny because really, when I started learning that was when I started teaching at the school. When I started, because the thing is, the thing that really was the worst part about going to school was you get so stuck in a bubble because, like, I came here. First of all, I just got to give a shout-out to Trevor O'Connor because I wouldn't be where I am without him because, like, he was the guy that got me the gig here. And, you know, speaking of, like, just playing with people, and this is why I always mm-hmm. tell people, you know, give, leave yourself open because I was in a band with him called Relatives. I would tell you where to find our music, but we never recorded anything, which sucks because the songs were so good. But, um, yeah, I was like... He's a good songwriter. He's great. Oh, Trevor's great, and he's got really the best good. work ethic. You know, I mean, I don't think... I've been in, like, probably close to 50 bands at this point in my life, but, like, I never was in as a as productive of a band as Dr. Scientist. We were, like, making videos all the time. We were... We, dude, we recorded, like... We recorded... He record, he When I was in the band, we recorded an entire EP, an entire record. Like within two years. Okay, you you so you you say you've been in like fifty bands. Yeah. What at what point do you consider it being a band? Because I've been in a few bands, but if I was to count up the amount of times I've like worked with guys that wanted to gig and yeah. it never happened, it'd be like 35, 40 bands. I'd I'd say the 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 cutoff line for me. Obviously, this is subjective. Uh, I would say if you've met more than once. <laughs> <laughs> It's a low bar. It is a low that bar, a but really okay, low bar. Right, but the thing is, you know why? You know why I set the bar that low? But seriously, though, you know why I set the bar that low? Because there have been times where, like, I've I've met with people like a few times. We never played a show, but like they uh-huh. they left a real mark on me. Right, and well, their and their 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 playing mentality really like brought me to another level of thinking. Right, like I don't know, it's because like for me the cutoff is. Did we make any money? The real one for me is have you played the the <laughs> real like, one the real one is have you played a gig? Yeah. In did which we case make any money? Like, in which we, case I've probably still been in like forty bands. That's that's still you know? that's still good. That's in which really case I've good. probably still in like, like I've I, I I was a little slut for years and years and There's years. There's nothing wrong with that. There's I don't think so. Being, no, I don't know, think so. No, you know, actually no, you weren't a slut. <laughs> if there were if there were bands that were making money, 
or you were getting something out of it, you were, you were whoring yourself. <laughs> see, whores make money. Oh, all right, okay, I see where you, I see where you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was being a whore. There's nothing yeah. wrong right, with being a whore because whores make money. Okay, this is this is a business of exploitation. Right, I was being I was being a, a dirty old whore. There you go. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you being a dirty little whore. You dirty little whore, you, you dirty bitch. Come over here. Wait, but what the hell are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> We were talking about oh, just being in a bunch of bands, we were right? We are talking about you selling yourself. Selling uh, myself. Selling yeah. your body uh, for yeah. money. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but so anyway, so it's, like the, so it's like you play with people, and then they think about you later if you do a good job. Mm. You know, that's the thing. It's like I've always been very, again, like, I've, I, I, can, I can wing it these days, but, like, back in the day when I was a little less confident about my playing, everything was very careful. Everything was very careful, and I think, like, that... People saw that and heard the results of it, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta keep this guy in mind. This guy cares, <laughs> and it actually sounds good too, you know." Uh, so with Trevor, they needed a bass instructor, and I'll never forget it. It was the funniest thing. I was, I was working at my dad's auto repair shop, fresh out with a with a nice bachelor's degree in jazz performance. In jazz right? performance, yeah, <laughs> pumping tires. <laughs> Thank God your dad had a business or you'd be serving lattes. Oh, dude, I don't even want to think about it, man. I'm so fucking lucky that that guy's my dad. Jesus Christ, man. We but love anyways, you, Chris. Fucking love you, you dad. You handsome son of a gun, you. Oh, my God. All right, so anyways, I'm picking up parts from, like, Joyce Hahn or something, so I got to see fucking Anthony Ambrosio again. Great. That's right, yeah. So anyways, I'm fucking filling up the gas at what used to be the Hess station. I think it's, like, an Exxon now, right in Rockaway. And, oh, uh, by the firehouse or... Uh, look, right next to the McDonald's. Oh, it's BP now. It's B- oh, yeah, BP, BP. That's it. Okay. So, anyways, I'm at, it was a Hess. But it was a Hess. It was Hess. It was a Hess. Because I used to pick up trucks there at Christmas yeah, time. Hell yeah. I'm at I'm at I'm at the Hess. <laughs> I'm at the Hess, and uh, I get this text message. Yo, you looking for work? And I was like, didn't have the number saved. What kind of work? Get a text back. Well, hand jobs mostly. I go, who is this? <laughs> it's Trevor from Relatives. He didn't get save my numbers. So then he goes on about how he needs a fucking bass instructor. He tells me he was on the toilet taking a shit and he saw me posting some video of me playing a bass loop. And he was like, oh, yeah, Connor. I forgot about this motherfucker. Six years later, I own the place. It's fucking crazy, that. man. That's fucking, fucking crazy, man. I love that. I owe it all to him, really. So uh, we're, we're wrapping up part one here. Um, what's this first song we're going to hear? Um... Uh, this one, this first one's gonna be. Um, let's do. I'm trying to think of which one I want to do. We'll do this one. This one's called uh, Bottle Rocket, named after the great Wes Anderson's first film. That oh. is a really good movie. Very underrated. That is a movie. Really cool movie, and yet not a lot of folks saw it because it was like an indie flick. But uh, that's Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson, yeah. Um, wow. Shoot, I don't uh, know a single other person. Oh, oh, James Conn is in James, it. James fucking <laughs> James Conn is in this movie. is like the bad guy. In He's great. <laughs> yeah. It's such a good movie. That's oh, uh, dude. So this, so what? You watched this movie and got kind of got this idea for this song? Or? Well, I mean, I I've or always been like, kind of in the dude, back I've of always head. been I've always been obsessed with Wes Anderson. But it was funny because the, the night before, how the, obsessed should like should we should we warn him? about this? No, I would never hurt him. He's, he's a wonderful person. I, I would this never... This is like a Kathy Bates kind of thing? No, okay. no, 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 no. I, I, I don't... He's a great person. I, he, he needs to stay away from me, though. I, my, I, my, I don't know if I see him in person. Anyways. No, I totally, I totally was watching the movie. And this, the movie had this kind of weird... I don't know, it's funny because it's like... 
It's got this kind of weird upbeatness to it, even though it's like really awkward and like these guys have no idea what they're doing. It's like it's like quasi dark. It, it's, it's got this very strange, all these weird there's undertones. There's a really it's, odd tone to that movie, but I love that. It's, flick. it's That's so, so good. Cool. It's so good. But anyway, so like I don't know. Like I was, I started doing this weird tapping thing. It was like and then like I started laying out there like weird tapping parts, and it had this kind of like very kind of like it sounds nice, but there's all this weird kind of like. I don't know, like the way the notes kind of rub in a funny way that still sounds good. And I just, I was, I was listening to it and I was like, this, like, I should send this to Wes Anderson. I feel like this is a very Wes Anderson <laughs> loop. And I just kind of like worked around it. And then I, I was coming up with a name for it. And I was like, I got to name it Bottle Rocket. Like I was totally, I was totally thinking about it when I wrote it. That's great. Yeah, totally thinking about that's it. That's awesome. I, 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 that's happened to me a few times writing songs where like, I'll just like, I had just seen a movie and... You know, now this this is in my head now. Yeah. This song is in my head. Like, I, like um, there was that movie, The Way of the Gun. I've ever saw that. It's Benicio, no, Benicio it. Del Toro and Ryan Phillippe, Juliette Lewis, James Caan mm-hmm. is in this movie, too. Um, but it's about these, like, really half-assed burglars who just, like, get themselves in way over their fucking heads. It's a really cool flick. That reminds me of uh, uh, A Fish Called Wanda, or A Fish Named Wanda. Fish Called Wanda. Yeah. yeah it's like, sort of. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a kidnapping movie. That's also a great um, movie, too. Oh, it really is. But, like, I, I wrote this song after watching The Way of the Gun, and I don't think I've ever recorded it, actually, but it's still, like, in the back of my head. It's in there. Like, I, I, I'll never forget this this thing that I came up with. Yeah. It's just, like, cause it's so fresh in my head, and I can't I can't play that. I can't play these riffs without thinking of James Caan in a members-only jacket <laughs> pointing with two fingers like a gun, like... Like, I, like, it's just always pictured in my head. Yeah, if, but, you gave, um, if you gave me a minute, my favorite loops, I could definitely tell you exactly what I was watching or what right. I was watching before. Or what, yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's you know, it's it's funny how, how you know, visual arts, mo- movies have can affect mood. Well, coming back to it, man, yeah. I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with art, you know? Yeah. That's, like, it's, all, it's, all different it's, mediums, you know? It's, well, they're all so intertwined, and, you know. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, guys, so we're going to hear Bottle Rocket. Uh, which is coming on Connor Larkin's new EP. We're kind of going to get a little preview, mm-hmm. early release. It's, not, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. <laughs> so you're going to hear it here first, boys and girls. And I can't wait to hear it. So, boys, right before we close this out, I just want to say Connor Larkin, cheers, big ears. Cheers. Clank. Dylan. You good? Oh, whoop. There you go, Paul. You go. Love you, Paul. <laughs>
Boys and girls, well, we just heard Bottle Rocket by Connor Larkin. That's uh, has not been released yet, but it will be up on Spotify and uh, iTunes, right? This is actually the first time I'm gonna like take it seriously. I was like a straight Bandcamp guy because you actually like make some decent money off of it, right? Um, but you're still gonna you're still gonna release it on Bandcamp. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. money. Well, money, but it, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. The thing I love about Bandcamp... Some money would be it's nice. Like, the thing that's also about Bandcamp is it's like, you can just put it out there and people will just pay for it. Right. Like, I remember the first album I ever released, Dylan helped me mix it and produce it and stuff. And like, I, I charged like $7 and people bought it and it was awesome. But like, you know, I made, I don't know, like $100 off of it, maybe. <laughs> I put out an EP like, and just donated it. I made hundreds of dollars. And I just said, name your price. Thanks. People just bought it. <laughs> Bandcamp. That's the way to go. You know? So, yeah, you can hear this song on, uh, look up Conor Larkin on Bandcamp or find it on Spotify and iTunes, you know, if you're cheap. And, uh, and I'll, as always, boys and girls, this show is brought to us by the Original Music School of Morristown. So go to originalmusicschool.com or call 973-998-8977. And if you want to hear this podcast, you can listen to it on Google Play. Probably listen to it on iTunes by now, too. Or on, or on Spotify, because Dylan has been doing his due diligence... Oh, nice. like I did there. That's good. You can also find it at nickkeena.com, my personal website, where you can also find where I'm playing. You can find a list of my open mic nights and where my band, the Spanakopita band, is playing when I'm doing a solo gig. And I do a lot of those, too. You good? I'm good. Con, you good? I'm good. Clank. McClunky. McClunky. 